0: Need to create a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. We target Angular 6 and the recent versions with much of the curriculum is suitable back to Angular 2. Or go beyond the three-day class with a consultation or project launch with Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. We can assist your team or launch your project with advanced Angular topics including scalability, data flow, state management, full stack product design, and more. Contact us for a private class at your location or buy a ticket for public classes in various cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at AngularBootcamp.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. Uh, I'm here live at Microsoft Ignite with Donovan
1: Brown. Donovan, do you want to say hi? Hi, everyone. It's nice to be here again. Next, I think the last time we spoke, we were at Ignite together. Yeah, I think so. I forget. Was that in? Sh- it was here last year. It no, was it was Atlanta. Is Atlanta? Wow, that was a long time ago. Yeah, two years ago. Wow, wow, nice to be back.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, you're you're kind of the DevOps guy, in fact, when I think of DevOps, I'm either thinking of you or I have a couple of friends that work for Chef.
1: Gotcha. Fair enough. <laughs> cool. And so, cool.
0: yeah, so that's usually where this comes in. And it's it's interesting you gave a technical keynote earlier in the conference and talked a little bit about Azure DevOps. Correct. I think last time we were on the show, we were talking more about just DevOps in general, right? You know, so it's people, processes, and I products, think, and products, right? Yeah, and just the ideas and philosophies around Correct. DevOps. But it looks like Microsoft is taking that up to the next level, where they actually have a product that focuses on DevOps, and. Uh, just to give you a little bit of an idea, I've been thinking a lot about what I want to do with the podcasts. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm really focused on is developer freedom, right? It's it's freedom to work on what we want. Yep. It's freedom to do the things that we really care about. It's freedom to work where we want. And usually that then parlays into things that we don't want to do, like... Um, fix stupid bugs that we missed because we don't have CI/CD, <laughs> right. Or, you know, some folks don't want to do deployments or think about, you know, some of these other things that sure. DevOps traditionally encompasses. Sure. So how does Microsoft DevOps or Azure DevOps give people the option to choose what they want to do and kind of have that freedom
1: that we're talking about? Interesting. The way that you put that is like, I don't want to do deployments because it's just something that distracts me. I think that's an okay thing to say because what you should have done is automated it. So it's not yeah. something that you do. 100%. Right? But the deployment will happen. It needs to happen. You yeah. can't say, I don't want to deploy my code, so why are you writing it? Right. you do want to deploy it, you don't want to manually it. I don't want deploy. to think about it. Exactly. You want to be able to commit code to a repository and it magically make it way into the environments of my choice. And that's exactly what we want to be able to do yeah. with Azure DevOps is we want to automate as much as we possibly can. So as a developer, you don't even know all this magical stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. I tell everybody, if your developer has to do anything more than commit code to a repository to get it into production, you still have work to do. 100%. Because as a developer, that's all I want to do. I want to commit code, grab another task, kill it, commit code, let's keep on rinsing or impeding. And what I'll notice is minutes, hopefully not even hours later, someone's tweeting about how awesome this new feature is that just mm-hmm. got deployed, right? And I didn't have to do anything about it. That's our goal. And we have the t- power to do that for any language and any platform. Because it was interesting when you said, what I want to go with this podcast is do what you want, where you want. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with Azure DevOps. Yep. Code in any language you want and deploy to any platform you want. We right. simply do not care.
0: Yeah. that And that's it's really interesting. I mean, I think I've talked to a number of people about Visual Studio Team Services. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that that it's been rebranded. Rebranded, right? Right. To Azure, Azure DevOps. DevOps. Correct. But uh, when I think of Visual Studio Team Services, usually I'm thinking of things like Git repositories mm-hmm. and stories, tickets. Yep. We're kind of tracking. That, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All I, still I there. CICD.
1: Yep. So so what's changed? Great. So what's changed is obviously the branding changed, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we found that a lot of people had an allergic reaction to the word Visual Studio, uh, for right or for wrong. I'm obviously a huge Visual Studio fan. But if you know the history of Visual Studio and you're a Java developer, to you it's like garlic to a vampire, right? It's like, ah, get that out of my face. Visual Studio is not for me.
0: Well, in the JavaScript community, I mean, there are people that have come from sort of the Microsoft background. And so they're like, oh, cool, it's a tool that does stuff for me. Sure. And then there are people from the open source background that say Visual Studio is that big bloated thing, Microsoft is that big evil company. Correct. And, yeah, bringing them around to say, hey, look, there's something here that can really help you out. That, that's that's rather been, important.
1: Yes, and it had been a challenge when we had Visual Studio in the name of right. the product. Even though, even as VSTS, it still worked for any language and any platform, mm-hmm. we just couldn't convince people that it did. Right. So what we have noticed that is people have already accepted the fact that Azure... Well, let Mm -hmm. me run my code no matter what language or platform I want to run it on. So we're like, okay, great. So maybe we need to realign with something that people already associate with being open, which is Azure is an open platform. We run 50% Linux VMs in Azure, right? So that's just Mm -hmm. staggering. If you want to run Go or Rust or Python or whatever language you want to run, it'll run in Azure. So let's go ahead and and kind of attach on to that. Hey, we have a DevOps offering that'll Mm -hmm. get you into Azure. And stop calling it Visual Studio, still the same product, right. right? But now hopefully people are going to have less of an allergic reaction to the fact that it's called Visual Studio. Other things that changed is that we realized that people didn't need all of it. Uh, Visual mm-hmm. Studio Team Services comes with work item tracking. It comes with test plan management, repositories for getting centralized. It comes with uh, CI, CD. It also came with um, package management. I mean, there's just so much inside of it and if all you cared about was continuous integration and continuous delivery the navigation could sometimes feel clumsy yeah. and confusing because there's so much stuff i was just joking with the person at the at the booth the other uh, just a moment ago where he says i remember i'd go into vsts Click on the Git repository and panic because it's empty. I'm like, where did all my code go? And then, oh, that's right, my code's in GitHub. It's in GitHub. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so, but having that button there that you could click yeah. and then your code's not there, you panic. But right. now we can streamline that and say, hey, if your code is in Git and you don't need our Git repositories, just turn that feature off and it won't even appear in your navigation. Oh, nice. So you don't accidentally click it and then have a heart attack on where's my code. You're like, oh, yeah, right. my code's in GitHub. It's yeah. not a
0: big problem, right? Or CICD's not running.
1: Or exactly, it's, right? You know, it's somewhere CI else. Exactly. Another system, but I do want to use you for my unlimited private repos. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're using us for some features, but not others. Right. And you don't need to now see those features you're not using. And it's just a toggle to turn them on or off. It's really nice. So if you decide, you know what, I need a little bit more power than just an issue in GitHub. I need to be Mm -hmm. able to see the difference between a bug and a task and a feature. And I want to have different anatomy of those items built into the tool so that I can plan them. You can basically say, you know what, I want to turn on. Azure boards, which right. gives me Kanban boards, task boards, and all the things we just described. Right. And I don't still need your Git repository because I have it in GitHub. So it's mm-hmm. kind of nice to be able to, to fine-tune it and streamline your interface so that you're only looking at the features of it that you need. So that's yep. two things. We rebranded it, and we've separated the parts so that you can actually acquire them in, in several different ways.
0: That makes sense. And I, I think some of the things that we've been talking about, like with deployments and mm-hmm. some of the technical aspects of this, you know, lead toward freedom. But one of the things we don't talk a lot about is the process. Right. The process for development, right? Sure. I also don't want to think about which of these 10 things do I need to do next. I just need to know, uh, just pull the next one off. Sure. Right?
1: And, and the Kanban can help a lot with that, right? And, yep. and nice agile practices can help a lot with that. Yep. And what's really nice is that our work item tracking It's more than just a list of issues. Uh It literally has a process driving the work items that you use. So if you are an agile shop, we'll help you set up your iterations. We'll Mm -hmm. help you set up your backlog. We'll help you prioritize it. These are things that a system that is just a list of tasks isn't going to do for you. And it's really nice. Like you said, I don't want to know what I have to think about next. Great, because our process – Is going to help you guide you and say, hey, look, this is what you want to do next. You want to take that work item. You want to break it down into the task. You want to go and apply estimates to those so that we can help you do capacity Mm -hmm. planning. You want to visualize them on a Kanban board with a WIP limit that lets you know when you should pull something from one column to the next and that you're not overburdening your team or getting ahead of yourself. So we've actually have all that built into our Azure board feature. And I keep telling people, everything's not an issue right some mm-hmm. things are bugs some things are tasks right. some things are features some things are epic some things mm-hmm. are product backlog items and they look and they feel and they act differently and our system understands that and lets them look and feel and act differently
0: that that sounds amazing to me it's
1: awesome and it's like I tell people all the time like you, you really need to look at our work item tracking it's brilliant stuff yeah. and we even come out of the box with three different templates so uh-huh. if you are in a generalist agile shop you just want to work in iterations we actually have a template for that but if you're like razor sharp scrum team That is an agile process, but there's specific rules to running a scrum team that are slightly different than running an agile team. We have a template that understands that. The templates even changed the vocabulary because, again, if you are a Scrum shop, you run in sprints and you work with product backlog items. If you're an agile team, you run in iterations and you work with user stories. Mm-hmm. And our tool understands that right. you said you're Scrum, so I'm going to use the words and the vocabulary that you're going to be familiar with. In my mind, I don't have to do this mapping of, oh, the tool says one thing, but my process says another, right. and I have to do this mental map. Nope, we get it. And we're going to change our tool to match your vocabulary, which is fantastic as well.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. The other thing, just just talking about the process, so a bug is different from a absolutely you know, uh, an, an issue, and a, yeah, it, I mean, all of these different things. You know, I, I've worked on teams, and it all just kind of goes in the same pile. Oh, it's horrible, right? And then yeah, it's okay, which of these things do I work on next? Well, it turns out that this bug's critical, so I have to work on it sure, next, right? Sure. But it got buried in all the other garbage. Exactly.
1: And-, <laughs> and and what what's really interesting about the way that the board system works inside of inside of Azure DevOps or what we call Azure Boards is that particular portion is that let's say for example you have a bug. Mm -hmm. One of the things I need to know about a bug are the steps to reproduce that bug. Right. right. And we actually have a field that's titled Steps to Reproduce. So there's no question about what goes Mm -hmm. into this particular field. And then it also says, what was your expected result? Because just because you tell me the steps to reproduce, I might not see that as a bug. Yeah. Like, yeah, you – That's exactly what I expected it to happen. What did you expect it to do? And that's when I get the clear answer. So we have a field that says, give me the steps to reproduce, and another field that says, what did you expect to see? And then another field completely for priority. So if it's really a priority one critical bug, there is no getting lost in the shuffle anymore. Because there's an attribute that says, Donovan, this is critical Mm -hmm. for us. And if I sort by that column, the important stuff rises to the top. And it's a bug that I want you to go focus on, not a task or a feature or an epic. And, And if I have a feature... Again, the questions I ask you are different. I need you to describe uh-huh. the feature, right. and then I need you to give me the acceptance criteria, yep. right? which is completely different than steps to reproduce or what build was it found in. Right. So it's really cool that our, our fields on the items that you create drive you to answer the questions that someone reading that, that is not mm-hmm. you or even yourself a month from now right. can read it and say, yep, I know exactly what I was thinking about, right? So it's, it's really powerful that it's not just an arbitrary text box mm-hmm. that you're supposed to fill in and then tag it to death with all these arbitrary tags to try to figure out it's actually a feature and it is important. No, let the anatomy of the item actually drive that for you.
0: Yep. And, and I love the example, too. I mean… Uh, when I'm looking at features or stories or anything like that, I find that there's
1: nobody dumber than me a month ago. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Same thing with source code, right? Right? You're like, oh, I don't need to comment this. This is brilliant. It just speaks to me, this code. A month later, like, what the hell was I thinking? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Same thing happens with a work item. Like, you give it a really crappy title, and you're like, what the hell does this even mean? But luckily, we have these other attributes that can kind of clue you in. Mm -hmm. And over time, you just get better at it because you realize – Man, I had no idea what I meant from that a month ago. And you start to use the tool yeah. better and better.
0: Yeah, well, and and again, you know, back to the example of the feature. I mean, one of the steps in my workflow for a feature is create the user stories. Absolutely. Right? And so it's not going to follow the same process as user stories. And I just I love the idea of, okay, this is in this stage and this is in this stage. And as we work through it, we're going to have a process for getting through everything.
1: And you also have a hierarchy, right? Uh-huh. Because a feature gets broken down into user stories. Right. Those user stories get broken down into tasks. Right. Because And if you continue to break it down that way, you can start to paralyze your team's effort. Mm-hmm. Too many people say, okay, this is my work item. Yeah, but that work item has a database change, a store procedure change, it has some UI, it has some right. API. But if you broke it down into those individual tasks, oh, you could mm-hmm. be working on the API while I'm doing the database part. And now yep. we're not bottlenecking on this one feature because we've broken it down into parts that we can all go and grab that all roll up to we're achieving this user story that pays back to this particular feature that we're working right. on. And also what's really cool is that we also have test case management. Yeah. So when we're talking about defining that acceptance criteria, it's not uh-huh. just words on a page or words in a text field. It's literally test cases. That mm-hmm. rewritten is that I'm going to click on this and I expect this to happen. I'm going to click on that and I expect this to happen. And they're actually associated to the work item itself. Uh-huh. So the acceptance criteria are actionable tasks that I can take tests that I can run that verify that when all these tests pass, you finally actually competed, completed the feature to my understanding and our agreed understanding of what right. that's supposed to be, which is great. So once you have those tests written,
0: mm-hmm. I'm going to change tactics a little bit. Sure. Can you just Pull that into your CI?
1: Uh, so what ended up happening is those are going to be manual tests at time zero, right? Okay. Which is really cool is that they're literally just ex- defining your acceptance criteria. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you and I have this new feature. So it's instructions for a human being. Exactly. Okay. At st- at t- stage number one, because you've got to remember sometimes the code doesn't even exist right. yet. You should be writing your acceptance criteria test cases before you write a single line of code. The reason that I say that I'm is with you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is because it's cheaper to change those words than the code if you make it wrong. Right. And also, your stakeholders, who might not be technical, don't want to look at lines of code. So true. But what they can do is read step A, do this, step B, do Mm -hmm. this. And like that's funny because in my head, I thought step B would be something else. Oh, cool. Let's change this Mm -hmm. right now. Let's clarify it. Exactly. And now we have a better understanding of what the end product is supposed to do because I can see the steps themselves. Now, what I intend my teams to do is write those test cases Mm -hmm. before they commit to actually doing the work. Right. As we start to do the work, they can now go and try to automate those test cases, mm-hmm. right? So so your answer to your question is yes and no. At time, zero, no. You can't right. just put them in your CI pipeline. They're going to be there to drive the development mm-hmm. that my team does. We got so good at coded UI tests at one of my previous teams that step number one was to go write the automation to test a feature that didn't even freaking exist yet. Oh, wow. We were that good at it because we were like, all right, I know I'm going to define buttons with these IDs Mm -hmm. because we had a standard. And I could literally say, go click a button with the ID OK because I know that's going to be there. Go click a button with the ID Continue on this wizard. And they would literally, we could write the code, run it, and it would fail. And mm-hmm. then I would say, okay, great. Let's go write a web page and put an okay button on there. And we get one step further and right. then it would fail. All right. Then we're supposed to have a button over here that has continue on it. And then we'd run it again and it'd get one step further and fail. Mm-hmm. But we literally had our automation oh, wow. written before we had the feature written. Right. So we were doing test driven development of automated testing. It was freaking <laughs> awesome. am- It was. It was like, holy crap. This is like what you dream of. Right. Uh-huh. So our automation was done before the feature was done. We had unit tests written already. We had full automation written before we wrote a single line of code. It was awesome. That's amazing. And you can do it using all the tools that we're talking about right now for any language, right? Which is what's also really cool is that it doesn't matter if it's .NET, doesn't matter if it's Java. It could be any language you want. You can go off and use tools like Selenium. You can use mm-hmm. tools like Coded UI and be able to write great unit tests using NUnit or XUnit and do all your testing up front. At first, it feels mind-numbingly painful because as a developer, yeah. you just want to start creating. You just want to mm-hmm. see it come to life. It's when a test fails for the first time that stops a bug getting into production yeah. that you see the value in what you're doing up front.
0: Well, and that comes back to that freedom, right? It's, mm. oh, I fixed this bug four times. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh I God. wish I had CI <laughs> that would freaking say, you broke it again, dude. Exactly.
1: What's so funny, I tell people all the time is, like, have you ever played ping pong with yourself? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you've been here, right? Where You get a bug. And you're like, uh-huh. oh, that's a weird, interesting bug. And you go and you code a fix for it. And then a month later, you get another bug. It's like, oh, that's an interesting bug. And you go and you fix it. And then two weeks later, that original bug comes back. And you don't really realize it's the original bug, but you have this weird deja vu. Like, damn it. I feel like I fixed this bug before. Like, this sounds, uh-huh. like, eerily familiar. So you go and you fix it again. And then two weeks later, another bug pops up. Like, damn it. it like, Am I in like in Groundhog Day? I know I fixed this freaking bug, but what you're not realizing is they're related to each other. Uh The change to fix one is breaking the other, but you have no unit test, so you don't know that you're breaking the other one until your customer tries it again. Uh But I tell everybody, instead of doing that, when you get that very first bug assigned to you, do yourself a favor. Stop everything. And write a unit test yep. that exploits that bug. First of all, it's going to make you far faster at fixing it. Because if it's a really gnarly scenario that you have to set up every single time you make a code change, and then the code change didn't fix it, and you mm-hmm. got to tear it down and set it all up again and make another random code change and test it again, it's just it's really painful. Right. But a unit test, you can run really, really fast over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then you can quickly see, did that fix it? Did that fix right. it? Great. Now we're a day later, the unit test is in place, the test is passing. That other bug comes. What do you do? Stop what you're doing. You write a unit test. Now I have two unit tests, Mm -hmm. and I write the code to fix that particular unit test, and I won both unit tests, and the first one fails. I immediately know, holy shit, these things are related to each other. I would have never figured this out. Let me go make a true change that passed both of these test cases. Mm -hmm. Those two bugs will never show up together again. That's the beauty of writing unit tests. But until you see a unit test fail, no one sees the value. It's it's just extra code that I wrote, and it always passes. Why am I wasting my time? You're not wasting your time, because the one time it fails, you're going to be like, thank God I wrote that unit test.
0: Yep, 100%. Cool. Well, and it's it's interesting, too. I mean, probably 90% of the unit tests that I write, once I write the code for it, they're just going to keep passing. Correct. You know, 95% of the time. Sure. But the other 5% of the time, it's stuff. It's usually that minute stuff. You would have that, never guessed. Right. You
1: would have never guessed that that and, was going to be related.
0: Well, and the other thing is is that um, it's usually the stuff. Like, I can remember broad strokes of what the mm-hmm. code I wrote, right? Sure. But, you know, it would be easy to fix when I Wrote the code, but we're three months down the road. I want to remember this, and so I'm not as familiar with it, and so I have to go refamiliarize myself with yes. it on stuff that I already thought was done, which is frustrating. Right. And
1: yeah, it's 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 crazy. You know, what's even funnier than that is that if you're in a time crunch, like let's say for example that scenario <laughs> happens, right? What are you like? Oh crap! I don't have time to test all this stuff. I don't have unit tests. Let when me just I'm copy in a time this crunch, method. I'm such a terrible <laughs> <time>. <laughs> Exactly. But you're like, okay, I know this code is used in a lot of places. I don't want to risk breaking anything. I'm just going to copy this method. And paste it over here and name it something else, uh-huh. and then have this other code call that instead. I've, so now you've never you, done that. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have twice as many bugs, and you have this legacy, and you don't know like like which code is calling this method, which one is why are they so similar, but that line's different. Can I use it everywhere? Like ah, just leave it. I'm gonna copy and paste it a third time. But it had you had Never unit test, <laughs> if you had an actual unit test that protected you, you'd be confident to go in there yeah. and refactor that method. Because you're like, you know what? I'm going to go in there and do something radical. If all my tests fail and um, pass, yeah, it'll great. It'll break the use case exactly. for the original. Yeah. Exactly. But if my tests failed, then I know better, right? But yep. having that safety net, I, I give the analogy that writing code with unit tests is like walking a tightrope with a net underneath mm-hmm. you. If you fall, you're going to giggle, you're going to laugh, you're going to get back up there, and you're going to try again. You don't have any unit tests. You fall off that type rope. You're a dead man, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about it. So it's funny. The older that I get and the more that I program, I feel uncomfortable and uneasy if I write code and don't write tests. It's like driving in a car with no seatbelt. I just don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. anymore. So make it – it should become muscle memory. And what I've also found is that I'm actually a faster developer Uh writing tests than I am not writing them.
0: Yeah, I am too. I I did find, though, when I was uh, first adopting TDD Mm -hmm. that it took – for. Ever. It's painful, right? It it's hurt. not easy. Yeah, it, it is not easy. It was easy. no fun, but <laughs> one, once I got used to it, then it was like, okay, yes, you know, this I, is just how yeah. you
1: write software.
0: Yeah, but it and, and it guides my thought process. I mean, there are a lot of benefits. But it's, yeah.
1: interesting. it's interesting that you said guide your thought process. I know code that I've unit tested better than code that I haven't. Mm -hmm. right because you understand the nooks and crannies and you're like scratching your head like wow i did not expect that to behave the way that it does or it had an interaction with another method that i wrote that i didn't expect and you really have to know the code to Mm -hmm. be able to test it at a high level of code coverage you can't just think you know it you got to really intimately know that code so it makes me more comfortable with the code it makes the code more high quality and more reliable Mm -hmm. and it makes me more efficient at my job and people like that goes against everything i thought about unit testing because it's Historically, yeah. it's always slowed me down. It's hard. It's a waste of time. So how do I even get started, Donovan? And I tell them, do not do not stop what you're doing and go write unit tests for thousands of lines of code that right. work already. No. The next bug you get, right? Yeah. The very next bug you get, do yourself a favor and let that be the first unit test you write. Yep. Go fix the bug. Make sure the test passes. Check that in and start building that that safety net underneath you. Because if the code works and it's been working, like you said, 90% mm-hmm. of the code that's never going to change is always going to be right. Why am I going to go back and write unit tests for that? It's yep. when it breaks is when you want to go back in and write unit tests for it.
0: Yep. The other place that I tell people to insert the unit tests, and then I kind of want to get back to talking about Azure sure. DevOps, but the other place I tell people to jump in with that is when you write a new feature, mm-hmm. go through the process. Yep. Write the test. Write the code. Yep. And then go write unit tests for the other bits of code that you touched. Right, absolutely. Because your code is touching other stuff. For sure. And that way you can kind of expand your level of comfort around what you're working Completely with. agree, 100%. So Azure DevOps, um, one of the things that I'm wondering about, because we're talking about all these processes, sure. right? And, and, you know, it, it all kind of plays into this idea of DevOps. But it sounds like Azure DevOps is a very flexible tool. Absolutely. And a lot of times what people are looking for is they're looking for a method to do things, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's something that guides me through setting up these processes. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in business, I've hired a business coach, right? Sure. And it's like, okay, do things this way Sure. while I'm figuring it out. Does Azure DevOps give you some of that
1: guided? There's like two options that you can use to kind of hold your hand and get you that... that- my first pipeline kind of experience, yeah. yeah, there's two options, right? One of them is called Azure DevOps Projects. You can go actually uh-huh. go inside of the Azure portal. You can go to all services, and you'll see Azure DevOps Projects. Right. You click through a few drop downs, like mm-hmm. what language do you want to program in, what resource do you want to deploy to, and it will give you a modicum pipeline, right? It will give you one environment. It will pre-provision the infrastructure, but it gives you an idea of like, okay, I see right. how this works. There's another open source project called Yo Team that does ask you a few more questions but gives you a pipeline that you can grow up with. It gives you a best practices written application in either Mm -hmm. Node.js, Java, .NET Core, or full .NET Framework. These are like applications that if you were on a Scrum team Mm -hmm. and it's like we got to go do a web app, you could use this app as your sprint zero. Look at this. We already have it working. It also creates a Azure DevOps project for you. It creates the repository for you. It populates us with the sample app. It creates the CI pipeline for you Mm -hmm. and the release pipeline for you using infrastructure's code and deploys the dev, QA, and prod and even has approvers in between dev and QA and QA and prod. All wired up for you in about four minutes. Oh, wow. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So it's called Yo Team. It's completely open source. We take contributions on it all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's... It's just it's where I tell all of our customers, like, you need to get started and you're unfamiliar, just type yo team at your command line and answer the questions and sit back and relax. Four minutes later, you will literally have code running in Azure. I don't mean four minutes later, you'll have your pipeline. Right. I've timed myself with a stopwatch once. I said, go, (laughs) and I typed yo team, I answered the questions, I committed the code to the repository, and Uh I stopped my clock once I actually had the website loaded and I could read it. It was four minutes later. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So that's that's what I recommend people to you.
0: Hi, this is Charles Maxwood, and I've been asked more times than I can count. How do I stay current? There's a lot to this question, and I'm working on a solution, code badges. That's right. You heard me right. Basically, the idea is is that you come and do a code badge, and that gets you an introduction to a topic. Then you can decide if you want to pursue it further. But while working on the badge, you gain enough proficiency to be able to pick it up again if you need. A lot of technology comes through on the bleeding edge, and not all of it sticks, but the principles do. So doing badges on the technologies that will get you ahead will provide you with experience needed to stay competitive. Plus, it offers social proof that you know something about the topic. The project is on Kickstarter right now. You can support it and get on the launch list at CodeBadge.org.
1: Azure DevOps projects are moving towards that way. Mm-hmm. There is, they have more languages, but I don't believe that the pipeline is as mature. And right. what we're trying to do is basically slam the two together. right?
0: I'm a little curious. I mean, this is a JavaScript podcast. A lot of people sure. are doing things on front-end and back-end. Sure. So they either have two test suites, you know, one for Angular, or React, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Vue, or something, mm-hmm. and one for Node.js on the sure. back-end, or whatever other back-end language sure. they're using. So how does how does that all work? I mean, Yeah, so you're going to be using
1: something like Mocha or Jasmine right. or something like that, right? So our test runner doesn't care. Right. right? So I do a lot of Mocha testing. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of Mocha. Uh, I use it for, actually, Yo Team is a, it's written in Node, so it oh, tests itself. So do itself. you
0: install it through NPM?
1: Uh, I do. I do. And I install it as a global. No, I don't. That's just it. I do not. I do not. So (laughs) I use Istanbul for my code coverage. I use sign on for my mocking and I Uh use Mocha for my test runner all installed local to my project alone. And then I actually have my test command. So NPM test actually drills into my node uh, modules and runs it locally. Mm -hmm. So I can now do this on any CI system in the world hosted or otherwise because I don't need anything installed globally
0: no, right, no really i assumed nice. yo team was installed
1: oh i'm oh, sorry yo team yeah you know, so yo team you would install locally on your globally on your local machine right. and that just fires up the pipeline but yo team is not used in your pipeline right good good yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so yo team you just install it with npm and then um you're gonna install two parts you're gonna install yo which is the yeoman generator engine and then you're gonna install generator hyphen team which is the mm-hmm. part that gets you the yo team and then you just answer the questions knock yourself out it's Freaking off. I've done demos of it at New Zealand and a couple other places. So if mm-hmm. you search for Yo Team Donovan, you'll find blog posts, you'll find the repo in GitHub, and even videos of me demoing it on stage. You can see just how powerful it is. I use it a lot whenever I want to go um, convince Java devs mm-hmm. that Microsoft is here to help. I remember I was in – I think it was in South Africa. And I had basically – worked my way inside of a Java dev uh, Uh user group, and they were just like, what is this Microsoft guy doing here? They're all like giving me these dart (laughs) eyes. Like, I promise I'm not going to talk tech. I'm just going to tell you how Microsoft did DevOps so that you can apply this, because this is all theory and stuff. And they're like, all right, fine. So I went for 45 minutes talking about how Microsoft did it all theory. It's like, all right, I just have one question for you guys. Let's say, for example, that you have absolutely nothing. Your desktop is completely blank. You can use all the open source tools that you want. What I want is a Spring MVC application, I want it to be unit tested using JUnit. I want mm-hmm. code coverage co- ca- calculated with Jacoco. I want you to have a CI system using any CI system you want. I want it. De- I want it deployed into Dev, QA, and Prod into Azure using right. either Docker or App Service. Knock yourself out. How many hours would it take you to do that? I've gotten anywhere from four hours. To eight hours. I actually one guy said it would take him a week, but I don't know how good he was with Java, right? So it's like I can do it before lunch. I was like, great. So if you started at eight a.m. before you went to lunch, you'd have that entire pipeline and code running in Azure. Guy's like, yep, absolutely. I'm like, all right, hold on. And then four minutes later, I showed him the code running. He's like, holy, I'm like, yep, yep. <laughs> Microsoft is here to help. Like, you cannot do this faster than we can. Well, and and that's the whole power of it, right? Absolutely. Is
0: why should I even have to think about it?
1: Exactly. Right. Like, so what's interesting is Yo team was. The idea of Scott Guthrie, I was sitting in a mm-hmm. meeting with Scott Guthrie, who is our executive vice president, I think, or corporate vice president. I think he's corporate yeah. vice president. You, so You he, can
0: go watch Microsoft keynotes with Scott Guthrie. Exactly,
1: yet. exactly. So he basically reports to Satya, and he was sitting in a room one day, and people would always joke, like, damn, I want Donovan in a box, right? I want to be able to go do a Donovan <laughs> Brown demo without thinking about it, right? How right. do I do that? It's like, oh, I th- think to myself, you know what, I think we have the technology to do that. He said, I just want to go to a command line and just be done. And that's where basically your team yep. came from. It's like, why haven't we done that? Like, we have the yep. technology. We have the REST APIs. We have the endpoints. Why have we not done this? So I sat down and I wrote this to basically putting Donovan in a box mm-hmm. where anyone could do these awesome demos for all these different languages. And it's kind of cool because if, he hadn't, if I were not in that room and heard him say that, this tool probably still wouldn't exist. But it was right. kind of neat.
0: So I guess the other question is, when we're talking about uh, Azure DevOps, mm-hmm. like, what are the different parts of a process that you can – Build in or what are all the services that come up?
1: Okay, great. So Azure Pipeline, I mean Azure DevOps is broken into five different verticals. Okay. The first one is Azure Boards, which Mm -hmm. is our work item tracking, Kanban boards, task boards. Then we have repos. So we Mm -hmm. basically have the same functionality that you have in GitHub, but we have it internally. So it's like their private repos. And we give you actually two. We give you Git, which is distributed. We have another version called TFVC, which is centralized version control. Mm -hmm. Some of our customers still need it, so we still support it. Right. After that, we have pipelines. Pipelines is probably hands down the most popular. It's the Mm -hmm. CI/CD. We also have an acquisition of just pipelines from the GitHub Marketplace. So if you're in GitHub and you go to the Marketplace and you go to the continuous integration section Mm -hmm. or the deployment session, you're going to see Azure Pipelines in there. You can just add it to your actual GitHub repository. We're going to give you 10 concurrent pipelines, unlimited build minutes on macOS, Linux, and on Windows. Oh, wow. Yes. So (laughs) I love that you said that because you probably have felt the pain of I Need to have a YAML file to get me to Windows and another YAML file to get me to Mac and to Linux. Mm-hmm. And now we have one YAML file that runs on all three platforms, right? So, one YAML file to rule them all. Yeah, it works on my Mac
0: and it works, works on my Mac. And it also works on the Linux server, exactly. And
1: too. it also works on your Windows machine. Should you just choose to build on, on Windows, right, right. we give you that as well. So, those are the first three products. And then the other one we have is test plans because we're talking uh-huh. about manual testing and associating those test plans to your work items, right? That is part of um, one of the offerings. And the other one is artifacts. So, if you want to have Your own private Maven store, NuGet feed, NPM feed, Python just got added, or PowerShell feed, you can actually have that now as part of one of the verticals. So you don't have to go out to public NPM to resolve it because who knows what versions are out there or my developer is using some package I don't really trust. Instead, you can now have your own private NPM feed and curate just the versions and the stuff that you trust, and uh-huh. that's where we're actually going to resolve it from. So those are the five verticals that uh, are inside of Azure DevOps.
0: Gotcha. Now, can you resolve those on your developer machine from that private
1: Absolutely, setup? you sure can. So what up happening is that, For example, there's a .mpnrc file, I believe Mm -hmm. is what it is, right? So then in there, you would basically set it up to say, hey, there's my private repository. Here's my authentication against there. And then when you do an NPM install, it will read that Mm .mpnrc file and say, oh, okay, I'm supposed to go over there to resolve it, and it works just great. So I use it in my pipeline because when I'm doing things like Yo Team or we have some of a PowerShell module, I have to do it on Mac, Windows, and Linux. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is instead of me publishing out to NPM these beta, alpha, like even pre-alpha bits just to test it, I actually published them internally to my own feed first, Mm -hmm. and then I installed them from there. Because what I found out the hard way is testing loose files on your hard drive Mm -hmm. is not the same as testing them once they've been installed from a package. So what I intend to do, and I do this in all my CI packages, is I build the code, test it, static code analysis, unit test it. Mm -hmm. Then I take that package and I publish it to our internal feed. As part of my release pipeline, I install it from that same private Mm -hmm. feed. Then I run an integration test against it. And I do that on Mac, Windows, and Linux knowing that anyone who installs my package on any platform is going to get the same user experience. And then finally we will publish it to NPM or to the PowerShell gallery or to the actual public Mm -hmm. NuGet. So it's a nice little DevOps flow for packages as well that allows you to utilize the internal feed for testing and migration and integration testing before you push it out into the public world right so yeah we have i mean everything you need it's it's i always describe it as everything that you need to turn an idea into a working piece of software yeah people not included someone got mad at me on twitter and said what are you talking (laughs) to say there's no people involved like oh my god like so i put a little asterisk on the back of the box it says people not included right oh that's funny yeah people required but not included in box well, the,
0: the, the whole point is to enable your people, Yes, right? The, the, the whole focus is people.
1: Yeah, we describe we define DevOps as the union of people, process, and products to enable yeah. continuous delivery of value to our end users, right? Yeah. So, yes, we're providing oh. you the products. We've actually guided you through the process, but your people have to get it, right? The yeah. people is the hardest part. But value is the most important part, but people is the hardest part.
0: Yeah. Well, and… Yeah, I mean, once your, pe- once your people are on board, on it's board. easy. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah.
1: It's a beautiful world. Yeah, for sure,
0: absolutely. So let's say that I'm listening to this show. Sure. And it this sounds wonderful, right? Right. I, I have all these problems. We talked about all your problems, <laughs> right? And uh, I want to go try this out. Sure. And I want to, you know, I want some kind of demo set up so that I can show my boss because, dang, boss, life's hard, and right. this is going to make it easier, right? right? So how do, I, how do I show them how it works and get the buy-in that I need so that these problems can start to go
1: away? All right. So one of the things you can do is you can go to azure.com forward slash DevOps, mm-hmm. and that'll be a great landing page for you to get started. If you already have a VSTS account, it's automatically going to turn into dev.azure.com. You can just go to dev.azure.com. And we'll show you all your organizations. Now, you asked about how can I get a demo going? What we're going to have to do is put in the show notes. I have a buddy Mm -hmm. of mine named Sachin who works at Microsoft who actually has a demo builder for you. Like you can simply say, here's my account. Please go create a cool demo in there. And it has walkthroughs of like this is how you go demo this stuff to go sell people on the idea. Now, so we'll put that in the show notes because I don't have the URL off the top of my head. But we have resources for that. I have your email. All right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We'll get that in the show notes for you. Now, what I would do, however, is I would not do a demo to convince my boss that this is cool. Mm-hmm. We let you start for free. There's no PO you have to go get approved. There's no permission you need to go get. I would just go create an account, mm-hmm. and then I would have our team start committing code to there and set up a CI build. And let the CI build be the proof. Don't try to convince them with, power, uh, with PowerPoint. Don't try to convince them with words and charts. Just go do the right thing. It's your job right. to write software. And you know you know better than your boss knows mm-hmm. that for me to be efficient, I need to be doing these things Right. This tool provides those for me, and it doesn't cost me a dime to get started. So why do you need to go convince anyone mm-hmm. to not spend money? Right, that's what I'm right. – like. how do I need to go convince you to not spend money and make me more efficient at my job? If you have right. to go convince your boss of that, you need to go get a new boss right? because that's just ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. It is. It, that's why I hired you right. was to go write software in the most efficient way possible. And if these tools are the way they go do that, then you need to go mm-hmm. be using those tools already. Don't, don't waste time trying to convince me to go do your job. Right. But it's, if you need them, we do have a demo generator. <laughs> I, I was going to say, because,
0: um, you know, I may not be able to get my team to start committing to it right away.
1: Well, the funny or... thing is, is that right now, let's say, for example, you're on a team. Your team's using source control, I hope. Oh, that's true. All right, so if you're Probably your team... GitHub. All right, fair enough. Perfect. So let's assume that you're on a team of five developers who love using GitHub, but think continuous integration is the stupidest thing on earth, a complete waste of time. How many of them do you have to convince to go set up continuous integration on your GitHub repo? Zero. Zero. (laughs) Exactly. Because they're going to keep committing to the GitHub repository. They don't know that a CI system is running. Don't need to know that a CI system is running. But I have set one up because Mm -hmm. I'm tired of coming into work and Donovan's broken the build again. Because we've all been there. Exactly. We've all been there where you come into work, you pull the latest code, and you try to compile it, and it does not freaking compile because he forgot to check in a reference or he didn't update the package.json, so I didn't download the necessary packages, but it's on his machine because he installed it local but didn't do the save. Or didn't account for time zones. I have a
0: story about that. (laughs) Exactly,
1: right? (laughs) So it's broken, but now we're all broken. And we have to sit here and wait for Donovan to fix the build. However, if you had installed a CI system just for yourself, Yep. While the other, the rest of us are sitting around the water cooler, thinking about Donovan, and you're working. We're like, where the hell is James? Why isn't he here? Where's John? Why are they working? Yep. Like, how did you do that? Oh yeah, I didn't get a pull. I didn't pull the latest code because the CI system told me it was broke. A what system? I have a continuous integration system. Every time someone checks in code, it builds it and tells me if it's good or not. Can I get on on that? Yeah, absolutely. You can register here to get notifications. So I didn't have to convince them that CI was good. Eventually, CI will convince them that it's good Mm -hmm. because I'm the only person in that working while you are sitting over there waiting for Donovan to fix the build. Right. Right. So that's what I would do. I wouldn't go try to convince people. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go try to convince my team. If they're already checking into source control and you don't have CI, just go install CI for yourself, right? right? And then let the results, the reports, all that stuff speak for themselves.
0: Yep. And you you did mention that... uh... Azure Pipelines is just a click away in GitHub. Yep, just go
1: to the GitHub Marketplace. You can search. You can find it under the continuous integration section and under the deployment session Mm -hmm. because we offer CI and CD, not just one or the other. Right. Yeah, that's what I would do. So
0: one other question that I have, and this is something that I'm sure people are going to get worried a little bit about. So you get started for free. At what what point do you start saying, okay, you got to start paying for it?
1: Good question. So right now, you can get five, you and four of your team members on there for absolutely no money. Right. Okay. So it's that sixth person that is when we take you to the cleaners and we make all of our money back. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I think that worst case, I think it's like six dollars a month or nine dollars a month. It's like it's cheaper than Spotify. Just just
0: for that first person?
1: Uh, No, for for every person. Yeah, every person app that has I think is like six dollars a month. Now, if you happen to be in a shop that does both Microsoft development and other types of development, and you have an MSDN assigned to you, then you never count against the five people. So right. everyone who has an MSDN is already licensed for Azure DevOps. Gotcha. Which is kind of cool. So then you can add five non-MSDN users to your account mm-hmm. before you have to start paying for that sixth person. So right. you can go start a, Everyone listening to my voice right now can go get four of their buddies and create a startup and have all these powerful tools for $0 and 0 cents. right? And then once you're big enough to where you need to hire more people, mm-hmm. you probably can afford the $6 a month right? for us to right. start adding those sixth person for you.
0: I I, I think you might have just saved me a little bit of time. I have a GitLab setup. Okay because I you know I didn't want to pay for private repositories on GitHub yep and and a few other reasons sure um but, yeah, I mean, if this is free. It is. <laughs> right?
1: It is. And you will get unlimited private repos for free. You will get integration into GitHub like no one else is going to be able yep. to be. Now that we're acquiring GitHub, we're not ever going to make yep. GitHub Microsoft. Yeah. We need GitHub to stay GitHub. GitHub is important as it is. Right. But what we're going to be able to do is integrate better than we've yep. ever integrated before. Right? Because yep. we now can have our two organizations work closely together to make sure the best experience you're ever going to have is using Azure DevOps with GitHub. Yeah. So, yeah, if I just don't know why you would not use either GitHub or Azure DevOps right. for your repositories. I just don't understand. Like, you could not justify that to me.
0: Right. How easy is it to migrate away from it? Because that's the other thing
1: is people get worried about vendor lock-in. It's GitHub. I mean, it's Git. Like You yeah. know how hard it is? It's like add remote, push to the remote, right. done, I'm gone. Right? That's, that's, right. Hard to, that's, that's how hard it is to get away. No,
0: it's true. I, I guess you'd... You know, people are worried about losing the data on their CI or things like that. But
1: no, the, the data on their CI is obviously going to be stored there. I don't believe there's a way that we can export all the history of your right. build results, right? I don't. Now, you could probably go comb that information because it's there. And there, mm-hmm. like I said, there's a PowerShell module. There's also a, a, a CLI right. for Azure DevOps. If you really wanted to go and scrape that before you left and say, hey, run a, run a, Report that shows me all of my build statuses over the four years and put it in an Excel spreadsheet, knock yourself out. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know of any CI system that lets you like, export no, the No, I don't history, think any right? of them do. Yeah. No. So you could get it if you really wanted it. Don't know why you'd care. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? On that point. No, particular... it's true. Yeah.
0: Especially since I really mostly only care about my source builds. code. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. You only care about the source code and the current build that's running currently yeah. inside of your production. That should still be labeled with a tag yeah. in your source code. So even when you push that to a new yeah. remote, you know what's running in production. You yeah. can use it to make a branch and do a hotfix or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: because because all of the reference stuff is all, all in on the machine. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That's, the, that's the beauty yeah. of GitHub. So when people are like, well, how do I get off vendor lock? And I'm like, are you joking? You do understand how Git works, right? The whole yeah. point is that you all have a copy of everything, right? So yep. that's the beauty of it. Good for deal. sure. Yeah, so getting off of it wouldn't be difficult. I don't know why you would get off of it okay. once you get... it's. It's like a drug. It's like so good. You're like, this is awesome. (laughs) How did I ever live without this? I would never leave it. Even if I didn't work at Microsoft, and even before I worked at Microsoft, so Mm -hmm. I was using TFS before I worked at Microsoft. Now that I work here and it's gotten so much better, I don't care what company I go to, I'm going to be trying to use VSTS or Azure DevOps at that company, even if it's a competitor. (laughs) It's like, no, this is the best system out there. Right. Absolutely.
0: So the other question I have is continuous deployment. Sure. And I know I'm talking to somebody else about Azure Pipelines later today okay but but i'm a little bit curious just you know for people who are listening and, and getting a feel for this obviously it works with azure right if i'm deploying to azure uh, it just it you know yep azure devops it, azure better, Cloud, work. it better work <laughs> right? yeah but a lot of times i'm deploying to like a virtual private server sure. or you know or, or an
1: actual you know
0: metal server in a data center or something like that. Or a mobile
1: device or IoT or AWS. You can Mm -hmm. say AWS. It's okay. (laughs) GCP. We understand that people have a multi-cloud scenario. So you'll hear me, Abel Wang, and a lot of people from my team, when we talk about Azure DevOps, we say any language, any platform. When we say any platform, I don't just mean Mac OS, Windows, or Linux. I'm Mm -hmm. talking mobile devices, IoT, AWS, GCP, Azure, on-prem. I'm talking about every platform. So We have ways to get you to every platform. Mm -hmm. We bought a hockey app, man, four years ago now maybe. And hockey app gets us the distribution that we need to mobile devices, Mm -hmm. which is now mapped into App Center. Yeah, we
0: did an episode on that for iFreaks. Perfect. The first build we were invited to.
1: Awesome. Great. So we have the technology to get you to mobile devices. We have the technology to get you to Raspberry Pis and Mm -hmm. IoT devices. We have the inside of the Azure DevOps Marketplace is an extension written by AWS. So anything inside of AWS you want to get to, there's a task already in our library that will get you to those resources. GCP needs to catch up, right? I don't think there's a GCP one in there. However, it doesn't mean that you can't deploy to GCP because anything that you can do from a command line, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like, like I'm blowing smoke, but it's God honest truth. Anything that you can do from a command line, you can do from our build and our release system. Okay. So what we have is we have a task that runs PowerShell, on any platform that supports PowerShell. And for those who don't know, PowerShell is actually supported on Windows, Linux, and macOS. So Mm -hmm. if you love PowerShell, you don't have to abandon it and go to Bash just to get to Linux and Mac. Maybe you're really good at Bash. We have a task that runs Bash on Linux and Mac. And we have another cool little arbitrary command tool that will really run any command you give it on any platform you point it at perfectly. So if the tool happens to exist and you know the command line to call it, and GCP has a CLI that you can use to deploy to it. You just call that CLI from right. our build or release, and we'll deploy anywhere that you want. Gotcha. So when we say any language, any platform, we're not bluffing. That's mm-hmm. not marketing speak. We've proven it time and time again. Anything you can do from a command line, we can do, including deploying to our competitors. That also can be extended to anything that you can do from a REST API, because from PowerShell, mm-hmm. you can call any REST API you want. Same thing what you can do with, with uh, what is that tool that everyone is using? Um Damn it, I, can't, I just lost it. But it works on Mac, Windows, and Linux as well to do uh, API calls. What, the hell? I, what am I thinking? I can't remember the name of that stupid tool is. <laughs> I, I'm not sure which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, there's a tool. There's a command line tool that you can use to call any REST API you want. And it, it's just to it cape me, but we'll put it in the show notes mm-hmm. too if I remember what it is. But the cool thing is that means that now I can call any REST API I want from our build or our release right. system as well. And it's going to drive me nuts that <laughs> 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 I can't remember what that thing is called. But... Uh, Yeah, yeah, there's a tool that you can use to do that from any platform. So now our tool set is anything you can do from a REST API, anything you can do from a command line, you can now do from our build and from our release system. So, like, anywhere. So hopefully that answers your question on, like, where can I deploy? Anywhere. On-prem, behind your firewall, on bare metal, on virtual machines, whatever you want. Awesome. It is. I love it. I, I, I love my job because what I get to work on is some of the coolest tech, mm-hmm. and it helps every developer no matter what language they program in. It's awesome.
0: Yep. Now, one last question that sure. I have. It's interesting because my answer, I'm, I'm curious what your answer is. Okay. Um, wh- what do you think the biggest mistake people are making with their
1: processes, people, and products? They're trying to do it all at once. Okay. What I mean by that is they'll 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 see me on stage or they'll see this really cool DevOps talk and they're all excited and they go back to the work. And mistake number one is they try to convince the other people that it's a good idea, that weren't mm-hmm. at that conference, that didn't get all the context, right. and they just want to keep doing it the same way as ever. So I go back to just do the CI yourself, let the rest of it grow from there. Don't say, okay… We're all in on DevOps. Let's stop what we're doing for the next three months. Let's don't do any, and let's just go figure this thing out, right? Let's go do right. the grand plan of what our entire pipeline is going to look like. You've never done this before. Whatever you draw mm-hmm. is going to be wrong because you're working off of assumptions, and your world is different than what you saw at that conference, right? So right. don't go off and try to do the grand scheme of things. What I tell people to do is focus on the one thing that hurts the most. hmm And just fix that one little thing. And trust me, if you're sitting in an organization that does not have continuous integration, that's probably the thing that hurts the most. Probably. Yes. So go fix that. Right. Go get. It's also one of the easiest things to fix. It's instant value. Yeah. It is literally instant value with no risk whatsoever. There is literally no risk to building your code more often. Zero risk. Right. So it is like the no-brainer first step is go set up continuous integration. There's too many free tools and free options. Takes a 15 minutes at most, right? even if you have yeah. to figure it out, to set this up and you get instant value from it. Right. And then at that point, you're like, okay, now that we have a continuous build and we have these great packages or zip files or war files or whatever it is that we have, that's an artifact, mm-hmm. let's go and try to deploy it. And I bet you it's going to be manual and that's going to hurt. All right, yep. then let's go look at that next. Right, But don't dream up what you think your pipeline should look like having never done it before. Just go get continuous integration in place. Great. Do we have any unit testing running in our continuous integration? Nope. Well, hell, let's go put some continuous yeah. integration. Because what's hurting us, yes, our deployment is manual, but it's the quality of what we're deploying that hurts us the most, yeah. right? Because we, oh, yeah, we've yeah, we had bash scripts or we have PowerShell that kind of automates our deployment, semi-automates it, but that's not what hurts the most. What yeah. hurts the most is every time we push it, it's buggy. So let's put unit tests in our pipeline. Let's figure out the automation. Mm-hmm. And now, they have, now we have high-quality code, we need to ship it faster than we do right now. That yep. PowerShell script's not cutting it anymore. Let's add that to our pipeline as part of a continuous deployment Pipeline as well. Now, of sudden, we're deploying it faster. But man, are we delivering value? I think we are. Maybe we should add monitoring to this to make Mm -hmm. sure we monitor the the code while it's running in production and see if our our product backlog is in the right priority because we're just guessing that the priorities is right. So that's what hurts most is that we don't know if we're delivering value. So you add monitoring there, right? So now, of sudden, you have this cool pipeline where a developer checks in code, it automatically gets built, it automatically gets tested, it automatically gets deployed, and monitoring starts immediately. Right. Not now what hurts. Just take a look at your landscape right now. Yeah. What hurts the most, and let's go fix that. And it's an iterative process. It's not a big bang, stop what you're doing, rip and replace all your tools. Mm-hmm. It's a, in your pipeline that you have today, what hurts the most, and let's go fix that. So the biggest mistake is trying to convince others and trying to do it all at once.
0: Yep. What, well, what was your answer? My answer was thinking that you don't have time.
1: Um true which is which they which they believe so, so because they want to do start. it all at once yeah because they think they have to yeah. stop what they're doing and do it all at once but if you realize that I only have to do this one problem and it's only gonna take me 15 20 minutes a day let's say you don't uh-huh. even get it right the first day right day one you spend 15 minutes investigating all the CI systems out there mm-hmm. right and you have an idea on day two which one you're gonna go play with right so you go and you create a free trial on day two of Azure DevOps for example right. and you get this cool hello world CI system going but it's not yours and the next day I Bet you get it yeah right? i bet you the next day three days in 45 minutes in across three days you have a ci system running now that'll run mm-hmm. forever right yep. so that's the kind of way i'd want you to invest so i agree with you people don't think they have the time because they think they have to do it all at once right. and that's the big mistake so we kind of said the same thing but in a different yeah. way around
0: yeah i mean there are a lot of reasons why people don't start and sure. i would dare say that most teams don't
1: have any form of this Oh, for sure. I, 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 it's, it's shocking. I always ask. Like, God, be, please be honest. I asked it yesterday in my session. Please be honest. How many of you work on a dev team without CI? More hands raised than they oh, should I'm have sure. had. Right? Oh, yeah. It's just like, can't believe it's 2018 and you don't have CI. Right. Yeah. But, And I told everyone that raised their hand, I said, Monday when you get back to work, just install it. Like, don't ask. Don't try to convince them. Just install it. Yep. Right? And so the next time I ask this question, you better not raise your hand again. Right? You yeah. know, Just go do the right thing.
0: Well, and, and again, I mean... So my last full-time job before I, you know, went independent was freelancing. Yeah, we, you know, I set up CI for my team. Right. And, yeah, I mean, after a month of us getting warned, <laughs> right, before we, because cause we did the big release deploys every sure, month. Sure, and, you know, sure, sure. Which which usually meant that somebody was up all night. Yep. Usually a couple of somebodies, which yep. sucks. Yep. Get continuous deployment. Yes. folks. Yes, yes. That that's pain. That yes. that's pain that Donovan's talking about, right? Yes. About a month or two after that, we had a monitor up on our screen, and all it was was red or green. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, that was it. Right. <laughs> that's progress, man. It's yeah. like step by step, but and, yeah. I and those and days. it was
0: it was basically yeah. I mean, it was hey, this hurts, and now we know.
1: We're either going to avoid pain or we're going to have pain. Yep. And what I've also noticed is that if, if something hurts, do it more often, not less. Yeah. Because if you, like, I've known a lot of companies like, man, every time we do a deployment, it's all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. We're all up in the middle of the night. We're all drinking coffee, trying to stay awake, fighting fires, trying to install this stuff. Man, that is so painful. We should only do that like once or twice a year because because yeah. we hate it so much. <laughs> and what they don't realize is that you're going to hate it forever because you only do it once or twice a year. Yeah. So the volume of changes going into each deployment is six months worth. So when something breaks, which change over the last six months did we need to go troubleshoot? Right. But if you only made one change and you deployed it, and something went bad, guess what? It's the change that you just made. It's easy for you yeah. to diagnose. It's easy for you to fix. And even Or if, roll back. Exactly. If that's the case, if that's the path that you take. And the thing is there is that if it's painful to deploy and you have to do it every day, you're going to automate and fix that. Mm-hmm. But if you only have to do it every six months, yeah, it sucks that every six months, but I'm not going to waste time automating something that we only do twice a year. Right. You'd automate the hell out of it if you did it every day yeah. or every three weeks. So if it hurts, do it more often, and it's going to motivate you to automate it.
0: Yep, Absolutely so you want to just remind people again where
1: they can go check out azure devops yeah so go to azure.com forward slash devops is a great getting started if you already have a vsts account you can either go to dev.azure.com or still use the old name visualstudio.com. it'll still take you to the same place if you need help on anything azure devops we obviously have a twitter handle at azure devops on twitter we're very active there my team the league has a hashtag it's the hashtag L O E C D A. If you use it, it's literally like a bat signal. All five Mm -hmm. of us will go and read your tweet and we will either answer you blog an answer or engage the people at Microsoft that can answer you as well. And I'm at Donovan Brown on Twitter. It is the number one way to get a hold of me.
0: Awesome. So the last thing we do on this show is picks. Sure. You've been on the shows before. Yep. Uh, Do you you have some things you want to shout out about? Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers or maybe you are, but no job offers or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today.
1: There was something. I would actually encourage everyone. We talked about Yo Team. If you haven't seen that yet, I would highly encourage you to go look at that. Uh, If you are a PowerShell fan and you like Azure DevOps, go look at the VS Team PowerShell module. We just broke 100,000 downloads. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, we're really proud. Yeah, thank you. Very proud of that. We have 17 active contributors on the GitHub repo. We're happily taking contributions there, and it has become... It was funny because I remember when my manager, I started, first started writing it. He was like, yeah, if you're passionate about it, go ahead. But he didn't really see like, what the mm-hmm. point of it. And then the last time I spoke to him, I am like, dude, we're over 36,000 downloads. He's like, what? And now we're over 100,000 downloads. I'm nice. like, yeah, I saw something that other people just didn't see yep. that we want to automate all the DevOps stuff. We even want to automate the creation of our automation, right? Oh, and that's yeah. exactly what it does. <laughs> yeah. So those would be my two picks, Joe Team and the VS Team PowerShell module. Awesome.
0: Uh, I'm going to throw in a few picks. Uh, flying down here was my first time flying on JetBlue. Okay. And it was a pretty good experience. Cool. I usually fly Delta. Okay. Um, Delta costs a little bit more. It's a little bit nicer experience, I guess. Uh, okay. But yeah. For the cost, it was worth it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm a United guy because I live in Houston, so they're yeah. my hub. Um, yeah, same with Salt Lake. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Cool yep. deal. So, so I'm going to shout out about them. And then... Um, one other thing that I'm going to shout out about: if you're looking to start a podcast, I've been working on uh, an application that will help you manage, and automate DevOps, oh, cool. I guess, for podcasts. Awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for beta testers. So mm. if if people are out there and you know you're you're interested in starting a podcast, let me know, and uh, we'll we'll get you in
1: private preview.
0: That's right. Awesome. Very cool. It's a little bit rough, but hey, man, it's saving me a ton of time already.
1: So. Awesome. That's cool. To, that's good to hear. Well, thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. All right. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.